welcome to a new episode of the Life Science Get Together podcast. Uh, today we are talking about how to reach out to Big Pharma. And in the call is Natalia from Ella Lilly. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christian. Natalia, can you give us a little bit context about uh, your role and the company you work for, Ella Lilly? Sure. Um, so I'm working as a senior director of emerging technologies and innovation in business development, of corporate business development of Ella Lilly. And I'm responsible for search and evaluation of the novel emerging technologies coming from Europe. So before joining Lilly, I was uh, 12 years working at Merck, starting there as a postdoc and uh, working in various roles, ending as a head of strategy for the um, UK Merck affiliate. I have a PhD in molecular biology, master in microbiology and diploma in biotechnology, uh, in biochemistry, sorry. Uh, my daughter is just entering the biotechnology course, so it's in, on top of my mind. Mm. Uh, so I live with my family in London, um, mm. and um, yes, uh, and enjoying uh, this big and vibrant city and very much an innovation hub. So um, about LA Lily. So LA Lily is um, is a very one of the oldest American companies. is over 100 years old. Is uh, a first company uh, who started producing insulin for patients and still have a very strong legacy in this indication. Um, so we are um, very, um, uh, so we are second company working in diabetes and um, complications such as obesity, cardiovascular diseases, and I'm really impressed by the internal experts, so very strong internal expertise in the company. Then um, there is a second oldest indication in Lilly is uh, neurodegenerative diseases. Um, I think um, and the psychiatry used to be the focus of Lilly um, 50 years ago and uh, drugs like Cyprexa um, came out um, of this company and uh, now we are mostly focused on neurodegenerative diseases uh, which are Alzheimer, Parkinson's disease but also rare monogenetic diseases and the second big indication in the neuroscience which is um, just actually um, relatively recent but I think very rare for pharmaceutical industry is pain. Mm -hmm. So um, Eli Lilly is working in migraine and in neuropathic pain, so uh, chemotherapy-induced neuropathies or um, lower back pain and um, things like this. And then um, the um, other two uh, very fast-growing indications are oncology and immunology. You know, you might be had about the um, um, deal uh, we made with uh, LOXA oncology, the acquisition of the LOXA oncology um, and the recent launch of uh, Ritivmore as mm. a um, red kinase fusion um, protein inhibitor. And immunology, in immunology, Lily is in three areas, in skin, in uh, gastrointestinal, and in general rheumatology. So things like um, IBD, ulcerative colitis, 
um, in uh, gastroenterology, in skin, is in atopic dermatitis, psoriasis, um, and in general rheumatology is, um, of course, um, lupus nephritis and uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So, um, of course, a part of the, so I'm working across all five indications of Eli Lilly, looking for emergent technology, so more at the opportunities in the earlier stages. But I'm also working a part of, you know, assets, as we call it. Um, I'm also working, you know, looking for transformative technology. So how can we um, tackle all problems with the new ways? I mean, things like um, Protax, molecular glues, uh, small molecule RNA, transcription um, modifiers, um, things like delivery technologies through the blood-brain barrier. Um, so all these uh, technologies are of great interest for us. It's an amazing range of uh, technologies and indications. Um, I started working in 2006 in the life science industry and little did I know back then. Um, one question always that uh, coming up when I mentor companies these days is how should I reach out to potential strategic partners, especially the pharmaceutical industry? Uh, let's just assume that I'm a founder and I have uh, recently founded an oncology company and got some investors in the company and they put a little bit pressure on me as a CEO and say, hey, <laughs> reach out to the pharma industry. Uh, what is the best way uh, to approach you? Um, yes, that's a very, um, very good example. So I think um, one thing which is good to to do is not to wait till you are late in your, um, you know, not reaching out uh, after you've done, I mean, it's still possible, um, you know, after you've done the clinical studies, but actually start to talk to pharma pretty early. Really? Um, yeah. So I... I really, it does not mean that we transact straight away with mm -hmm. you, but um, it's always um, good uh, to keep in touch um, or to start conversation, um, maybe around proof of concept in animal models, mm -hmm. so that we can guide you further on the type of data we would need to see to move forward. On the models um, we, we are particularly believing, uh, on the, um, so on the various things, uh, we also um, sometimes, we are doing um, early collaborations uh, with some companies with a very, of course, the prerequisite for this, you would need to have a compelling science and absolutely novel breakthrough transformative way of solving unmet need. Um, so we help those companies also with some tools. So for example, we can produce a crucial antibodies, which would be, will give you uh, maybe um, access to our um, chemistry, um, you know, a chemistry cassette, which you can screen or uh, advise you on the direction in your chemistry based on our huge database on toxicity information and this kind of thing. So I would suggest um, you reach out early. So this is in terms of stages, so around proof of concept and animal model. And the second thing is, of course, in terms of where you can find me. 
I mean, obviously there are those partnering meetings um, starting from the huge ones like um, Bio, Bio Europe's, or Bio International, uh, but but you know, and um, ending with the much smaller local ones, which might be cheaper and supported um, by your uh, local government. I mean, things like uh, BioBarrier, where Christian, um, you and me, yeah, that's met. true. <laughs> so, but also, I mean, I'm also available on LinkedIn. So, um, I do have regular ping from LinkedIn, and I'm taking it seriously as well. So, um, yeah, so it's pretty much. Um, um, I, you know, various ways of, of reaching out. Mm-hmm. And then I can also, I'm not sure whether you would like to ask me, but yeah, um, you know, to tell you what, what are my expectations maybe mm-hmm. um, to see from such meetings. Ab- ab- absolutely. Let's uh, stay a little bit in the narrative and, and the storyline. So um, I'm lucky I start, started the company and have no clinical trials done. Uh, so as I understand you, it's the uh, perfect time to reach out to you once I got proven concepts, studies uh, or data in animal models. So I have a business background and let's assume uh, it's the first meeting. Uh, we just pump into each other at BioVaria in Munich. And uh, I'm eager to tell you about the findings of uh, my scientists. Uh, what information would you like to see in this uh, first 10 to 15 minutes? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Yes. So um, normally these uh, partnership sessions um, are, are a, a bit longer, but there are those which are, you're right, there are those which are very quick, like mm-hmm. speed dating for 15 minutes. I think normally a session is about half an hour, but mm-hmm. um, some companies are really managing to um, tell it really um, in a very short and concise things. And actually I, I need um, four uh, things from you. Um, the first one is um, I would like to have an information about the team. So who you are and what is, what is the unique expertise of your team, um, re- which really makes me, you know, believe that you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. The second thing is science. So the, um, so people, um, we are three people here in the UK um, um, and responsible for Europe and um, all of us have scientific background and the first evaluation is actually a scientific evaluation. So uh, talk about science, tell me about um, your story, um, tell me why do you think this is the, the winning technology. The third thing is competition. Uh, is I think 
it's really important to know uh, your competitors who are it's um, and I do see it again and again when companies are not talking about competition, but then uh, we do all have access to competitive intelligence databases. So we'll find it late on the road. And this is even worse. Uh, you know, so I think for relationship building is kind of uh, good to kind of open because it's also competition is sometimes also helpful uh, because you see uh, that there is some, um, some traction of this field mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's, you're not a single warrior there. Okay. Um, so it's, it's sometimes um, good, but also, you know, it, and it also gives you an opportunity to shine and saying, how do you differentiate from the others or uh, how much you are similar mm -hmm. to the, or whatever. So it's, it's very important, I think. And the fourth thing, um, which is also often forgotten, is what is your ask? What exactly you are looking um, for, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the partner? So is it, um, I mean, most of the time it will be maybe funding, but a part of funding, I hope you did some homework and you, you look at our indications, you look at our, and you, you think how you are really complementing the internal pipeline and what, what expertise you're looking for. Um, are you looking at, for the expertise in clinical development or are you looking for chemistry or, um, you know, or you uh, need a help in humanization of your antibodies and actually mm -hmm. Lily pretty much prefer to do, uh, you know, humanization of antibodies on their own because they, you know, we have a really a high standard in antibody production and kind of trust our facilities a lot. So that could be a, a good thing to ask for as well. Let's come back to the to the storyline. So if I got it right, it's really good to reach out to you with uh, the information you need early on in development. Um, I have a discussion with technology transfer officers uh, quite frequently ongoing. So they try to convince me that uh, pharmaceutical companies also make transactions with discovery stage projects where my expertise and experience shows that the real transaction happens more uh, further down the road um, around clinical phase one or clinical phase two data. Uh, how is the reality? Uh, where is the truth? Is it in the middle or is it uh, more on the other or the left or right side? Yeah, so I think um, we did the deals, um, you know, um, everywhere on the road, um, mm. Christian. So starting from um, an idea and no data, but idea is coming from a very prominent um, scientist and uh, company builders who already had three, four exits before. Um, you know, um, even in this stage, the transaction could happen. Unfortunately, as you know, um, it's normally happened in the US. I mean, we do not have really such a strong entrepreneurs here in Europe yet. Yet, And I hope you with your podcast are really growing them as we are Thank speaking. Uh, um, but and then, you know, ending all the way, uh, you know, launch product. Um, but I think for me, the transaction now, um, happened um, around um, the, uh, you know, around this, the peak of this um, deals are happening around proof of, you know, between the proof of concept in animal models and the um, proof of concept in clinical studies. So it could be also in the um, IND stage, 
um, so pre IND stage. So it's, it's it's a various thing. So um, I actually, yeah, we would need to make a statistics. Um, <laughs> what is the best? But I think this is where filling where particularly yeah. emerging technologies and innovation transacting. We do have colleagues, um, search and evaluation colleagues in the uh, therapeutic areas who are mostly looking for the later stage um, deals. It's just that these earlier deals are not really, I think sometimes are not communicated as broadly mm -hmm. as the bigger deals like um, like acquisitions, but uh, yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, statistics would be really interesting to see across the entire industry. Um, I have to look it up too. Uh, one question popped up in my mind. So um, I'm working mostly in the early stages to mid stages of development. So it's uh, from tech transfer up to clinical phase two. And it's really good to know that uh, it makes sense to reach out to pharma early in development. Uh, so once we got this proof of concept uh, data in, in animal models, um, and it's also good to know that a pharma partner has not only money to provide, but also other expertise. Um, so what type of deals exist at Ella Lilly? I mean, when I think about deals, it's mostly a, an acquisition or a license deals. Are there also other models? So um, the other models include, um, for example, the... Um, the production, so something which I mentioned before yeah. is the um, generation of the critical tools important for um, for your um, current stage, um, such as antibodies, peptides or chemistry with the option to in-license it later. So this is in terms of LE deals, but also, of course, um, there are other things where we... Um, start with a little um, pilot or proof of concept um, type of uh, interaction particular on the platform deals um, and then and then it could grow into a um, huge collaboration. I think the example of such type of deals is um, the deal from last year on Anima um, where we started with a very um, small uh, pilot study and then uh, it grew up in the one billion deal with this uh, relatively small but very intriguing company that's that's amazing congratulations <laughs> yeah so i wouldn't uh, exactly so that's why i think there are uh, i do see sometimes um, those companies who are feeling shy about small pilots and um, you know um, looking for a bigger deal straight away Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't, I would recommend not to shy away from this uh, kind of fee-for-service type of pilots in the beginning because they can grow into a bigger deals very quickly within one year. Um, the other thing which I um, forgot to mention is that um, I'm working with a number of venture funds um, um, which are where Lily invests as a limited partner and where we um, have an opportunity to de-risk some of the assets, which may be a little bit too early for our pipeline now, but uh, will be um, really there um, in several years um, when, um, you know, when venture fund um, support um, their growth and development. So um, this is another opportunity of kind of, um, it's not really, really a deal, and this is another opportunity to grow 
the mm. companies and keep an eye on them um, and also helping with our expertise on the way. It's, it's really good to know. I hear that very often also from VCs. Uh, go out on the market, reach out to farmer and investors early on in development. Um, on the contrary, when I talk to companies, uh, I hear very often quite the opposite. So um, saying, yeah, we don't need money yet, so it's no, not useful to go out on the market or uh, we have we are not in clinics right now. But my picture changes tremendously, especially also with the talk with you. Um, to get the expectations right. So when a company starts reaching out to you, um, does that mean a transaction happens a week later or um, is it a longer discussion process that we have to expect? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health and beyond. Together they unpack the secrets to not just surviving but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I think um, it varies, uh, Christian, um, but I think um, the week later transaction, um, this is a little bit a dream. You are dealing with the big corporate um, uh, company and mm -hmm. we are uh, striving to uh, make our um, processes as efficient um, as possible. I think um, the amazing examples of course uh, of the speed of, of movement is um, COVID where in you know in yeah. the past three months we did um, so many deals and um, uh, you know we also we used less than three months to move in the first in human dose um, with the neutralizing antibodies. And we already, this week, earlier this week, we published the results from the phase two. Um, so this is an unprecedented, um, you know, uh, efficiency in our, you know, processes. But the... Uh, you know the transaction happens from the from the moment we first met in the partnering meeting. I would say the minimum time uh, we would need um, what I've seen was three months, but it could um, it could take uh, several years, of course. And of course, during these years, is not that we are just dealing with our internal machinery; is we are refining the case together with you, um, the business case, and what are the key um, results we have to see together what are the key experts we need to bring into the project mm -hmm. and also how to ensure that your project uh, has a real champions inside Eli Lilly who can um, who can prioritize your project over their own uh, you know internal projects and really that the deal is not dying after the um, after the transaction you also want to see your molecule in the market one day and not only, you know, you're not only interested in money, I hope, but <laughs> most of the time you are interested in really helping the um, 
the patients out there. Mm-hmm. So, and this is also, so this time is also needed to fully convinced um, the internal scientists and also, you know, fully understand what are the key experiments to be done, what are key studies to be done, um, how do we go together, who is responsible for what. Um, so all these kind of things have to be refined, refined in this time. It's good that you mentioned uh, COVID-19 and the SARS-CoV-2 projects. Uh, I also heard amazing stories of this hyperspeed that our industry is moving right now. So from from funding deals, uh, I heard within six weeks from uh, the first contact until the closing uh, went by when the money actually was really on the bank account. I also heard it from um companies who were acquired by other pharma companies that uh six to eight weeks in closing the transaction um but i don't do you think this 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 uh these changes that we see in the industry will stay for a longer time or um will we go back to a little bit more uh, a relaxed approach for other indications well we're certainly learning a lot um, during this covid and learning very fast um so and um we hope that some of these lessons and we are collecting those lessons learned and um you know in all these um inventions which uh down on the way um is kind of uh, you know i think um is a is a great um opportunity for all of us to to learn how to be better and that we can be better. Um, of course, some of the things, um, just because of the um, rigor which is needed um, for um, particular for chronic indications cannot be uh, directly um, you know, transferred uh, from COVID case to um, to chronic indications like um, diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis. So it's um, simply um, would be dangerous um, for um, for patients. So um, I, I I do believe that some things will um, will stay, <laughs> but some. Um, you know, but some will be maybe somewhere in the middle. So um, it's hard to say. But we are learning a lot, Christian, indeed. That's true. Uh, I think safety of patients is always the most important thing that we should be aware of. There there was one point that you mentioned that um, you're talking a lot about collaborations, partnerships, about uh, working together, moving together. Um, So the picture of an industry, of a value uh, chain, where projects are handed over, like a transaction, like buying a car, for example, I go to the car dealer, I buy the car, I get the car, it's mine. Uh, seems to me, it doesn't really happen in the pharma industry. It looks more to me like um, that when I reach out to big pharma, that it will be a collaboration for a longer time period. Is this picture right that I have in mind right now or um, do I get something wrong? Absolutely. I think um, it cannot be compared to car. It may be more comparable to a, to a child, which you're growing at home and at some point it needs to enter the university and it needs to go its own life. So, and then you, or you need to go to school first uh, and then you kind of need to build the trust with the teachers that you're giving your precious child uh, to kind of develop further. So I would, I would imagine this would be a more 
um, these relationships which are, um, uh, and this is why the one thing which is important for us and um, is to build a relationship. I think, um, you know, I started um, when we were talking about what information we need, I started with a team. And of course, the one thing is the expertise. And the second thing is just on the human um relationship type of basis we we always look whether we fit in terms of values what are the values of these companies um what are the how do we fit um as a team together mm-hmm. so um and this is this relationship building part is very important and this part is also another thing while uh, you know, it sometimes takes some time to to build this relationship, not just one partnering meeting, uh, but maybe several partnering meetings where we observe the team. Uh, we see whether the chemistry works uh, and we also see the progress of this company um, so that we can, you know, later uh, transact with them. And, and, um, and exactly as you say, the transaction is not just... Uh, um, um, you know, we pay. Um, you throw the your compound over the over the fence, and then uh, it's an, it's our trouble. Then <laughs> I guess this is um, this is not uh, the type of relationships we are looking for. This is really a more, um, uh, and that's why many deals are pretty much backloaded. Uh, we are looking for longer term relationships, and we are looking mm-hmm. not only for the asset itself but also for your expertise and you know moving forward um and your your passion to to bring this forward together with us um, uh, you're talking about relationships so uh, i met many companies that uh, were more focused on a single asset so it's not building a team it's not uh putting uh, something together. It's just moving uh, a compound forward until uh, IND or clinical phase one with the expectation to hand it over. When I listen today to VCs and also to pharma partners, um, they talk very often about build a team, uh, uh, build a company, uh, define the values of your company. Uh, How do you see that? Um, Is it also possible these days to go with a single asset and don't build a team or would you really prefer to have more a long-term partner? Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Yes, um, I think the yes most most interesting for me, particular for emerging technologies, um, is really a building um, the long term relationship, and um, and I think the other reason for that as well is that particularly in this emerging technologies, this is where we in Lily often don't have um, really internal experts. So Mm. we need to rely heavily on our external partners. I mean, things like um, 
all these um, beautiful protein modalities, which, um, I mean, this field uh, really um, expanded a lot and you cannot be an expert in every single modality. So you really rely on the partner similar to mm. uh, uh, advanced technologies. We are not a gene therapy company. Uh, so we need to really um, rely on the partnership here. So the building a strong team together with a partner is a prerequisite of this type of relationship. Um, I mean, uh, in many fields, um, we need to have these long-term relationships and we, uh, yeah, we are uh, dependent on them, I would say. Um, and, you know, an importance that everything works there, starting from expertise and ending with the basic human relationships um, is um, of great importance. So uh, thank you. We got a question from uh, Kamal. Um, I will hand over to Mike to Kamal. And uh, if you would like to introduce yourself uh, and ask your question, feel free. And I push the allow to talk bu button right now. Really nice web um, webinar and uh, lots of advices. Um, thank you very much. So my question is really, um, should we have a patent already to approach a big pharma for a collaboration or it's probably better not? What do you think about? Yes, so um, I think it is good to have a patent, um, but we, um, so normally um, if you, what I, I would ask you as a first step is to, you know, to talk, to have a non-confidential discussion. So um, forward to me the non-confidential slide deck. So something which is published and known in the public domain. And this uh, presentation is very important for me. This material is very important for me to engage my internal scientists um, in the first initial discussions. Now, the next step is if there is some interest then we go under the CDA and we have a confidential discussion with this. And the CDA um, gives you an opportunity to talk confidentially about, um, about your molecules um, and also, you know, um, bounds us to keep this confidential. I also have to say that um, the corporate business development is behind the, uh, the wall, so we are not really... Um, you know, so the, the confidential discussion stays with us and we're we are not a part of the um, our R&D uh, organization. And this allows us to not cross-contaminate um, the internal R&D and the business development. So to tell the story short, it's good to have a patent uh, before, um, before going and chatting. If you don't have a patent, make sure you sign the CDA. Okay, thank you, Natalia. Thank, Thank you, Kamal. Let's go to the next question. It's from Joanne Taylor, and I will give you the mic right now. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you very much, and thank you very much. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks, Natalia, for this great uh, webinar. Um, I was wondering, uh, is it useful to get an internal champion uh, within Lilly to approach your department, you know, if you, if you know scientists and uh, you know that they... They, they may be interested in your approach or do partnerships always start with you? So um, it is, if you know the internal champion, it's good to, so um, it's good to talk, 
but um, to to this person, but the the real um, you know transaction is happening within the business development. So it makes sense if he's really willing um, to to bring it uh, to Lily to ask him to approach us, uh, you know, internally. Mm-hmm. What I will not recommend um, is that you, um, you know, you first contact uh, the business development and then in the next um, call, which we are arranging, uh, you are demanding that this internal champion is absolutely necessary to be, um, you know, is, is, is a person to be on the call. Right. Um, because very often this internal champion might not be really a decision maker or, uh, you know, might be a, um, yeah, more, um, let's say, um, yeah, not the best person to be in the current uh, call or something. So the short answer I would approach business development first if you're looking for transaction, if you're looking for advice. Uh, and then the and then this the the my team will look for it, for the best internal champion for you within Lily. But if you're looking for not for transaction but for an advice, you may of course um, you know keep um, the relationship with the internal champion you have and use him as an advice for your for development of your product. That's very helpful. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one question from my and Natalia. Uh, so my perception after uh, 14 years in the industry is uh, that it's less, I mean, of course, it's about the technology and the product and we need to do something uh, helpful for the patients. Um, but when I think of uh, building a company, it's not a transactional system that I buy a technology from uh, a research organization uh, I develop some data, then I hand it over and I'm out of the, uh, to the pharma industry, I'm out of the game. It really looks to me that we need to have uh, an open innovation, that we need to build uh, in emerging uh, technologies the entire value chain. So let's stay in touch with the research organization. Uh, let's look for uh, pharma partners as a collaborative partner for a longer time and not a transactional system. Uh, would you see it the same way? Absolutely, and I think, and I think this is um, emerging here um, in Europe right now. And I think the part of this value chain um, of this kind of innovation uh, value chain is, um, you know, as we mentioned, is um, the universities, um, the um, educational institutes let's say like this where lots of innovation and lots of patents are generation generated then um, venture funds which we were talking about earlier then accelerators we're also working with a number of accelerators um, um, and i think this is another big um, you know um, innovation um, hubs which are um, a part of the innovation hubs then of course we need to grow those uh, serial entrepreneurs um, which are um, coaching those companies uh, moving forward and of course farmer um, so it's all kind of has to be playing in in one direction and i agree with you that it's not just uh, we do this and you do that there are mm. um you know the the borders between these are um, um are going to be 
um, you know, I think will be turned off slowly. Um, so uh, there will be lots of um, in-between organizations. Maybe worth to mention um, in Eli Lili, we have this organization which is called Chorus, mm-hmm. which we um, very often use as a, um, is a, is a parallel, is a kind of, um, is a biotech within Eli Lili, which is um, focused on the quick clinical proof of concept. So most of the assets they take are from the uh, pre-IND and they are able to move it quickly um, through the uh, proof of concept um, studies so that Lily can decide whether they want um, to incorporate it into their uh, pipeline or, um, or uh, you know, or um, mm. diversify this opportunity. So it's a kind of, this is a part of the things which is, um, it's not exactly pharma. It's not exactly biotech. It's a biotech within pharma, which is a. That's that's good to hear. We have other question coming in. I would like uh, to call up Christoph Neumann with a question. So you get the mic right now. Hello, Christoph. Yes. Hello. Hi, Natalia. How are you doing? It's Christoph from IPDX. Hi, Christoph. Nice <laughs> to hear from you. So on the topic of building trust and relationships and engaging early on with pharma, what is like the, the, is there a fine line between having too many early discussions and potentially becoming blacklisted as a potential partner or, and just being able to update the pharma company and kind of building the relationship in a positive way? No, you cannot be blacklisted, Christoph. Okay. This is the, <laughs> <laughs> the one advice. So, um, uh, so I don't think, um, so first of all, when, um, when one approached me, I normally would say, well, um, so because I'm a first door in a way, so um, this is, so I would say whether that's maybe, um, this package is a little bit too early to approach, uh, to me, engage the internal scientists. We would need to see ABC before I approach them. So I don't want to burn your name now. Uh, let us wait for some additional data. So this is the kind of um, feedback and advice you will get from me straight away anyhow. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I don't think uh, the company can really blacklist you. And I would advise not to give up and keep the relationships at least, uh, uh, you know, coming back with your progress once in um, at least in a half a year to keep you also on the top of the list, um, you know, and um, no, you won't be blacklisted. Um, it is, I mean, if, so the one thing before you approach the company, you look at the indications um, we are working on. And if you see the complementarity of your technologies with the indications and you are moving within these directions, um, you have to approach again and again. You are not going to be blacklisted. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Let's go to the next question. It uh, comes from, uh, I hope I spell the name right, uh, Chuck Sago. Uh, I hand you over to Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, uh, Natalia and Christian. Thank you so much for organizing this session. It's really very useful and helpful information. So, Natalia. Yes. So, Natalia, you 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 mentioned about um, about how 
what sort of information should should we put on on a 15 minute slide deck for pitch would you mind please um uh, repeating those again because i really missed your points some important points so there are four four things which i would like to see is team and team includes also your team but also advisory board yes second is science so um, show me the compelling science, explain me your story. Third is a competition. And how do you differentiate from the competition? And the fourth is what is your ask? Right. Okay. Cool. What exactly you're looking from the partnership? Awesome. Thank you so much. Is it possible if you could also share with us um, your, uh, I mean, you mentioned that there is, a, if we want to reach out um, companies like yours that we could um, attend several uh, conferences, bio uh, innovation conferences, or via LinkedIn. Would it be possible to also share with us your email address or how we can get reach reach out to you directly? So partnership uh, conferences is a very good opportunity. What I also would say. Um, before you reach to the company, and I think I mentioned it several times, study what is the company's um, current indications, scientific areas of interest. And this is um, published online, so you can just right. Google uh, Eli Lilly scientific areas of interest and you'll find a link with the explanations where um, this company is working on. What I would not recommend is, for example, uh, coming to a diagnostic company with a therapeutic asset or vice versa. I do <laughs> okay, see right. some companies with diagnostics that come into Eli Lilly, but we are not in the diagnostic field. Sure. A part of yeah. maybe a, um, a small uh, part of our um, um, Alzheimer disease franchise. So um, we are not a diagnostic company and similar to if you are a medical device company, um, do look at the, um, you know, which kind of uh, compounds we have in the pipeline and the medical device for, uh, let's say, infectious diseases or uh, women's health will be absolutely irrelevant for Lily because we're not really in these therapeutic areas. So first, prepare to whom, you, so find your ideal partner. Second, tell us about your breakthrough science as we awesome. discuss. And the third one, which I mentioned, Christoph, do not give up. So if this is your perfect partner and you feel that you will be a great compliment, if we say no, I normally don't say no, but I, I give a feedback. And this awesome. feedback, just work on this feedback and come again in half a year and say, here, I've done this one, two, three things you asked me. Uh, how about, um, you know, continuation of our discussion? So because no is not really no, it's most of the time is not now. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks. Let's go to the next question. It's from Yolanda Ramiro, and mm -hmm. I will hand you the mic. Welcome, Yolanda. Hello, Natalia. Hi. Uh, Hi. Yolanda Ramiro from Maxmix. And uh, how the patient voice could be more fully incorporated through the development cycle? This is a very, very good question, Yolanda. And I think um, this, so we do have various ways of, um, of working on it. Um, so um, the one is um, 
working with the patient advocacy groups, um, and this is mostly not really on the business development um, side, but um, as Eli Lilly as a whole um, is, you know, working with the patient advocacy groups and understanding what their real uh, real needs is. We're also working with the caregivers because for um, for the neurodegenerative diseases, is often the caregivers are those which are providing voice um, for these patients. And um, and the other thing which I I would I saw in some companies um, is um, really hiring. Sometimes is, a, is an interesting idea is to hire patients um, and and if you are developing a device for multiple sclerosis, it could be um, very efficient to to have someone with multiple sclerosis within your company who can help you on the designing the device which would be the most useful for these patients. And this is a very very important point. And I've seen uh, lessons learned in other companies uh, where we would develop a device uh, for a patient without talking to a patient. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think now we're living in a different era and I do see this transformation in big pharma, but also in a smaller companies um, on, on, you know, on incorporating the patient, patient voice from the beginning on. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. important point. Yeah. Yeah. So should be as early as possible. I am. Yes. Yeah. 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 Great. Thank you. Thanks. Next question is coming from, I hope I spelled the name right. I'm coming from Austria, from the tree city, uh, tree country where Arnold Schwarzenegger was born. So maybe I spell it in an Austrian way. It's from Varvara Melikova. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for uh, my question is about uh, your role models. Uh, I mean, professional role models, people who you follow in LinkedIn, people you like to reach and, um, uh, talk uh, on uh, professional conferences and your favorite books. <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. So I, I'm really not prepared for that one. So of course, my role models in the professional sense are people with whom I um, worked and um, previously. So I, I prefer to you know to choose my role models people who I know really personally. Um, and um, not so much uh, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, <laughs> whom I don't know personally. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and also, uh, you know, and, um, you know, also, uh, you know, not only uh, use them as my role models, but also, um, you know, having um, um, a discussion with them time to time um, on how do I progress um, in my career. So, I was absolutely blessed and I'm still blessed uh, working with the great people. I had a, a really um, several people in my career or my bosses who've been very supportive, um, starting from my um, mentor for a PhD, um, who is still a very good friend of the family right now. And uh, we have very frequent interactions and discussions, not only about the career, but beyond about our life. Um, and, um, and also, um, the, uh, you know, the people, uh, with whom I worked in, um, in Merck, um, I do have, um, several people who've been really very instrumental, um, you know, for me, um, and being my role models in terms of, um, what they achieved in their career, but also in terms of how they managed and developed people. 
And um, also, I'm very impressed by uh, my current um, UK team and um, my the person uh, with whom I'm working right now, my current boss, is an absolutely um, a role model for me in terms of experience in business development and also um, management and inspiring, you know, being an inspiring leader. So in terms of books, um, um, I have um, a number of books um, which um, I like. Um, so uh, in terms of professional books, um, I think um, one book, I mean, maybe this is more for ladies, but it's been uh, written a long time ago. I guess it's, um, uh, it's called... Um, Girls won't take the corner office, or nice girl won't take a corner office, or something like this. This is, I think, written by the mentor um, for women in particular, and I think I found um, this very valuable advice there. I think many of them are outdated already because I feel uh, women are now playing a much stronger role, um, particularly in Europe. Um, looking at Angela Merkel and the other great leaders. Um, but still, I think it's very relevant um, in terms of how you survive in a corporate environment and how you um, really build um, yourself. Um, yes, and maybe the other book is called Radical Candor, if I'm not uh, mistaken. This is about um, people management and how do you um, really say truth um, uh, without offending people. I found a very um, strong book as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for Nat a good question. Natalia, thank you very much for your time. I think we're coming to the end of our recording session. So it's uh, at the end of this hour. Um, I would like to ask you one final question. Um, so let's assume I'm a scientist. And I pump into you somewhere in a conference and uh, we don't have much time. We only have uh, 15 seconds and they ask you, uh, what's the most important advice that you can give me right now? What would it be? If you feel I'm the right partner for you, don't be afraid. Come and talk to me. And, um, and if I say not now, come again. I absolutely agree to that. Uh, let's just keep trying. Natalia, thank you very much for your time and for this amazing hour. I'm looking forward to see you somewhere, somewhere at the conference in the future in real life. Have a great I'm day. I'm looking forward for exciting novel technologies um, and um, I'm really looking forward to meet exciting people, maybe participants of this talk as well. Thank you so much, Christian, for organizing it. I really appreciate our discussion. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it as well. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.